Before we get started, a content warning. We're talking about guns today, and it's hard to talk about guns without eventually talking about violence. What else? I cuss, like usual, but I think my ideas are still pretty wholesome. So I think that's it for content warnings today. Let's roll. I'm Ivy Lee with one E, and this is FOGO, Fear of Going Outside. FOGO is a nature show with the most reluctant host ever. Last season, I did everything it takes to literally go camping, and I did it. And it turns out I'm kind of gifted at camping. It's super boring, but I killed it. So now I'm a full-fledged nature show host. I have a tent, a snake venom kit, and a sleeping bag that fits my corpulent booty. I'm ready to take you to outdoor places you have never been, so you never have to. This season, I do everything it takes to literally go hunting. I know, (laughs) it's a terrible idea, and I'm recording every step. I'm gonna go gun shopping, figure out how to find animals, how to break them down in the field, and you already know I can cook them. I'm a comedian in Austin, Texas, where I'm allergic to almost all native plants and trees. And I ask the questions us indoor people want to know. Questions like, does it smell bad when you skin an animal? Who do you call if you break a leg out in the wild? And why do outdoor clothes have to be so ugly? But first, There's something you should know about me to make this hunting quest I'm about to embark on make sense. In college, I spent some time on Lanyu Island, east of Taiwan, where the indigenous Tao people live. And I nearly drowned twice because, because I love seafood. You see, Lanyu doesn't have grocery stores or even much farmable land. People live on the sandy edges of the island because in the fertile jungle part, there lives a bug whose bite can kill you in 24 hours. Nature, man, it's brutal. So if you want to eat, you got to get in the water. And me, I always want to eat. So here's what I have to wear to go diving for fish, which is just wet hunting. A wetsuit, snorkel, and fins. It was incredible. I was in the nature shows I have been watching since I was a kid, and I completely forgot I was supposed to be swimming in a line with my group to set down our fishing net. I drifted further and further from my friends over to some coral reefs. Coral reefs, like on the TV. I was six feet above these reefs like a BBC cameraman, and it was amazing. Then, all of a sudden, the water goes down. So now, instead of six feet, I'm six inches above the coral. Not amazing. I am afraid of touching things that might be endangered or poisonous or slimy because I have good sense and a will to live. But a riptide sucked me out and slammed me back down on the coral again and again, non-consensually. I had to grab a hold of the coral with all my strength to keep from getting sucked out again, and I scrambled to stand up on the coral. When I got up, which I did, thank goodness, I saw some old men on the shore waving me in like air traffic controllers because they could see the path to the shore from their angle, and they knew that I couldn't. And that was my first day there. It was quite a scare. I 
could not adequately convey my gratitude to the old men because I couldn't speak the language, so I just went down to help clean fish when it was time. The net my group had laid caught a pregnant lobster. They don't sell those at the stores in the U.S. Commercial fishermen here throw those back to breed. The eggs were crunchy, a lot like caviar or fish roe. If you can imagine thousands of tiny, firm orange balls popping when you bite down on them, it was delicious, sweeter than you would think. I still remember how the fish soup tasted on that chilly stone beach below the Deathbug Mountain. Fresh fish broth is exactly what you want after a near-death experience. So the next day, I put on my wetsuit and fins and snorkel and did it all again. Of course, there were consequences. Later in the week, I got stuck in a whirlpool, but that's a story for another day. The point is, I have and will go so far physically, mentally, hell, probably even astrally for even one perfect meal. I'm Ivy Lee, and you're listening to Fogo, Fear of Going Outside. Today, I'm introducing you to the animal I've decided to hunt and trying to find people who can help me do it. If you're a newcomer to the show, and like me, you've never gone hunting, you might be asking, how could someone claim they love nature yet want to go out and kill one of its creatures? I wonder that too about nature lovers, since I'm not one, so I promise to ask when I get out there. I love nature shows, but I don't live near lions or tigers or great white sharks. I live by the Chinese barbecue with the ducks in the window in the middle of Austin, Texas, where habitat destruction displaces so much biodiversity, even the humans here can barely hold on to our homes. What I learned trying to plan my own camping trip last season, once I jumped through all the hoops, is that the barriers to entry are pointless. For example, I almost died trying to find a sleeping bag that can fit my body. There was a palpable sense that the outdoors are supposed to be for fit people. But when I finally arrived at my first hiking trail, that shit was paved. There are professional trail builders who go out and clear these paths so that even children with their short little legs can walk them. Camping was like boyfriends. If your friend doesn't want you to meet him, it's not because he's so fun and amazing. It's because he's boring and a weak conversationalist, and she feels embarrassed. The more something is gatekept, the more suspicious I feel that the barriers are there just because the barriers are the most interesting thing about the thing. So now that I've pretty much figured out camping, I choose hunting because at the very least— I know I'll eat well at the end. And honestly, there may have never lived an indoors woman as primed to be a hunter as me. I'm not afraid or grossed out by seeing the whole animal. I'm Vietnamese. I see whole animals on the table at weddings. European parents stick their kids in Ikea small land when they go shopping. Asian parents leave us in the seafood department to play with live crabs. One day when I was a kid, I came home from school and we had chickens in my yard and I was so excited. And the next day, we didn't. For my family, we only started getting removed from our food chain when my parents came to America in 1980. My mom fermented all the yogurt I ever had for my entire childhood and my grandmother had to grow all our vegetables we couldn't find in the stores back then. 
So I am down to get outside and hunt for my food. The problem with having a nature show, though, is having a production schedule. When outdoor people say hunting season, they mean specific dates set by the agency enforcing that state's hunting laws. It varies by the animal, but generally we're talking fall or fall and then like a little bit of winter. Well, I'm running out of winter, so I've picked an animal that isn't regulated. It can be hunted year-round because it's not considered game. Game animals are distinct from domesticated animals, endangered animals which are protected, and all the other animals. If an animal is a game animal, I'd have to follow strict rules around how and when to hunt them. The major game animals in Texas are deer, turkey, quail, pronghorn antelope, gray or cat squirrel, red or fox squirrel, and javelinas. But not hogs. <sighs> so that's what I'm hunting. Feral hogs are considered an invasive species, so there are no time limits on hunting them. But I don't personally know any hog hunters, so I start at the first place I can think of where I'll find people who know something about hogs. Valentina's Barbecue, one of my favorite barbecue joints in town. Do you know anything about wild hogs? Uh, just there's a bunch of them. I think they're like a nuisance. So. Uh -huh. Yeah, they are scary and they will attack. Oh, really? <laughs> and how do you know that? Because I've been chased by them. Yeah, they just, they're destructive. They should all be killed. What? We have tusks. You do have tusks? Yeah, they have huge tusks to take down. Have you YouTubed this yet? A little bit. Just a little bit. You need to YouTube tannonite and hogs. They put the corn feeders out for deer and let like 100 hogs come in, wild hogs. And they have a container. The stuff explodes and you shoot it in. It's raining. No, really <laughs> See, I didn't have to go far to find someone who'd survived a feral hog chase. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, feral hogs cost at least $1.5 billion in damage every year to land and crops. And they have no real predators but us. European colonizers brought them for food to North America on their ships in the 1500s, and then they multiplied. In the 1980s, outfitters spread wild hogs to new parts of Texas because people would pay to hunt them. But then the population exploded. In 2019, they got their own meme in an online debate about assault weapons. Someone tweeted, what do I do about 30 to 50 feral hogs that run into my yard within three to five minutes while my small kids play? The internet reveled in it like hogs in mud. Today, there are more than 6 million wild hogs in the United States, and half of them are in Texas. Even though they're supposedly everywhere in Texas, I've never seen a feral hog myself. I know more about zebras and tigers from watching nature shows than I do about the 3 million boars in my state. I didn't know they were a threat to me specifically until a nature educator told me to watch out for them camping. So the, the creatures you might need to worry about here are um, wild pigs. Oh um, my God. That was Diane Carrico from episode two of season one. Feral hogs sound terrifying. I don't know why. I was born in the year of the pig. In Vietnamese and Chinese mythology, the pig arrived last in the race that determined the zodiac order because it overslept, which is such an ivy thing to do. In the Vietnamese zodiac, being a pig means I am luxurious, loquacious, and lucky. All true. I think the story must have been about a domesticated pig with well-conditioned hair for some reason and all her dainty pink nipples and two neat rows. 
when I imagine a wild boar, which I'll be using wild boar and feral hog interchangeably here, I imagine a wild boar to be a wretched soul ruled by its own voracious greed with muddy hair and tusks and a a voice like Puma from the original Lion King. They are such a problem, we have legalized hot air balloon hog hunting expeditions in Texas. I heard about it in the news when it passed. And since I have no friends who hunt, I look up those old news reports to try to come up with people to call. I figure all I have to do is call the lawmakers who sponsored the bill, because that's publicly available information, ask who lobbied them for the bill, then call that person and ask them to take me hot air balloon hog hunting next time they go. Texans are pretty friendly, so that is a reasonable plan to me. FOCO producer Mariah Gossett starts calling around. This is State Representative Richard Benya Raymond. The Office of State Representative John Syria. Um, do you have that bill number? Because I don't believe that was her bill. Yeah, she was a, a sponsor of the bill. It's from 2017. Oh. Office is Kimberly. And we were hoping to talk to the representative about hot air balloon hog hunting bill that passed back in 2017. Okay, Mariah, I'll be looking for it, okay? Great, thank you so much. We put out a lot of messages to lawmakers, but we're not getting any calls back. So instead, Mariah starts calling hot air balloon companies, but none of them would take up hunters, and we couldn't figure out why. So we reached out to one of the reporters whose news articles we read to see if they could give us any leads. I'm Allie Morris. I'm a reporter at the Dallas Morning News, and I cover state politics. So I listened to part of one of your episodes and I was into it. So it sounds like, well, the second season you're doing about hunting. Is that right? Yes. That's a big step up. Yes. (laughs) I did not know how, I did not know when I started how big a step it was going to be. (laughs) What type of hunting? I've never actually been hunting myself. What type of, are you doing like with a rifle or like with like a bow and arrow or like, what are you doing? No, we haven't figured that out yet. (laughs) Okay. You could go mow down some hogs with a machine gun from a helicopter if you're into that. Um, we know that we can do that. I don't think the audio would be very good in a helicopter with machine guns. So I think that doesn't really, you know, that's not really suitable for the podcast audio environment. But hot air balloon hog hunting would be great for a podcast. But we're finding it a little difficult to pull that off. And I was hoping you would give us some insight into why that is. I guess the desperation to deal with the hog problem pushed lawmakers to pass this bill that is far-fetched. The fact that they passed it and nobody's even doing it, I think just shows the level of solution that lawmakers are looking for. And I also think it's interesting that the, as they call it, the pork chopper bill, letting people hunt from helicopters, has given rise to such a lucrative industry in Texas. I mean, at least one of the companies I talked to said most of their clients come from out of Texas or even from around the world because they want this kind of almost video game experience of shooting a machine gun out a helicopter. It's just kind of a wild way to deal with this hog problem that I guess is proving not effective or effective enough because the population just keeps rising. It has spawned an industry. You can Google it because my search history is now miserable and it loves company. Hog hunting is on a lot of hunters' bucket lists, according to my YouTube ads now. But packages start at around $4,000. I saw one VIP package that was $35,000. That 
can't be a typical hunter setup. And anyway, I don't think y'all want to hear the inside of a helicopter for half an hour. I don't know if you covered the pork chopper bill in real time, but do you think that there, do you know who lobbied for that? And do you think there's overlap? I'm pretty sure Sid Miller, when I talked to him for the story, he had, well, obviously feral hogs are like a huge problem in Texas. Sid Miller is the agriculture commissioner of Texas, and he's been in politics as a Republican here for a very long time. He is no stranger to controversy, but I don't want to tell you about his politics. I think it's more important for you to know about the time Mariah Gossip met him on a podcast. So Sid Miller reminded me if Yosemite Sam had come to life as a full human being. He came out of a giant black SUV that had longhorns coming off of the front of it. And as he sauntered out of this SUV, he was wearing black cowboy boots, a dark suit with a white shirt, a red tie, white crisp cowboy hat that has never seen a ranch in its life, and a giant belt buckle around his waist and his business card. It was like almost the size of my iPhone. It was not a normal size business card. I was like, where am I supposed to put this? But yeah, he, he's a caricature of a person. I believe that Sid Miller was at an airport. I don't remember where the airport was, but he met somebody from West Texas who told him that he hunted hogs on his property from a hot air balloon because it was quiet and easier to like sneak up on them because what some of the helicopter pilots say is that hogs, I mean, they're, they're smart animals. And so once they learn that there's like danger when the sound of a helicopter comes, they hide. And so it gets harder to hunt them with that method. And so he was inspired by this West Texan guy who pitched this idea. And I think that's how he put it forward. But nobody showed up being like, I am dying to launch this business of hot air balloon hunting. And in fact, nobody's actually pulled a permit to do it. And so I think this West Texan just did it on his own. Like he had a hot air balloon and he did it on his own property. My plan A is not going to work. There's no real hunter behind this law. But don't worry, I once talked my way into the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Budapest. I'm going to find someone to take me hunting, or I'll just go do it myself. And while we work behind the scenes to find that lead, I'm going to go cross the next thing off my to-do list. When we come back, I go gun shopping. found anyone to give me any insights into hunting yet, and I don't know much about it, but I know I'll need a gun. I don't ask any of the guys in my family for a gun because they don't hunt, so I decided to check out Central Texas Gunworks. It's the oldest Black-owned gun shop in Texas. A few gun owners I know recommended it to me. The shop is in the middle of a plain red brick shopping center on the side of the highway. The owner, Michael Cargill, welcomes us. He's built like a very short barrel, and his smile lights up a room, a room full of guns, which is to say every room that he's in with his concealed and unconcealed weapons. He kept his shop open during COVID because he said guns are essential in times like these. We told him we were coming in with recording equipment. We get a little tour. In the foyer area, there's a background check kiosk and a cryptocurrency kiosk. Then there's a narrow retail area with guns on the wall and in a showcase. And past that, a classroom where they hold their five-hour safety courses and a monthly comedy show. 
We ask him about the process to buy a gun. How about 15 minutes? Less than 24 hours. 15 minutes, we can get you in and out. And so what are, like, are people, there's no safety demonstration, there's no, you don't have to take any trainings in order to purchase a weapon. No, you don't. What do you mean, I thought it was five hour course, and then- That's not mandatory. These are all voluntary. That's voluntary. You don't have to take the five hour course. No. Um. Okay. I'm probably not gonna buy a rifle today, but I would like to figure out if I were to buy one, what's the amount of money I would have to come back with. Sure. And what I'll do for that is I'll I'll let you talk to Matthew, okay. or our sales guy, and uh, he can you know talk to you about some different options and stuff like that. He'll get he'll get into like what do you want to hunt, you know and. And then we'll talk about what rifle will be the best one. And then we'll go to price, you know, which, you know, your budget. I tell the sales guy, Matthew, I'm going to go hog hunting. So he brings an assault rifle down from the wall. $4,000. Yo, the sticker shock. They're out here selling guns for more than rent with no return policy. And what we're looking at now, I will bring you on to go over the computer. I wish I had some in store at the moment. We go to the AR-15. AR-15 stands for Armalite Rifle Model 15. I like the light. Mm-hmm. Armalite is actually the company. Oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So Armalite's the company, so it's Armalite Rifle, AR. 15 is their actual, uh, is the model they came out with for this particular style. This one, you have the original classic handguard here. Mm-hmm. The difference between the bare bones $789 one and this one, which I'm printing out right now, is they what they what they did was they free-floated the handguard. And a lot of people prefer free-floated handguard because you don't have as much material touching the barrel. Can we like kind of like heart that? Is there like can we make like a little list, a little like shopping list? Like, okay, I feel like that's like a heart. Sure. Let me print this out real quick. Okay, let me print that. Okay. I know the gun is not the only big purchase I have ahead of me. I just don't know exactly what the other ones are going to be yet, and I'm nervous. Usually, when someone's trying to sell you something four digits or more, they at least offer you a coffee or champagne or something while you think about it. I think Matthew, the sales guy, picks up on my financial stress, and he tells me about how he builds some of his guns. I'm building two as we speak. What do you mean building guns? (laughs) <laughs> Wait, can I build a gun? Yes. Could it be cheaper to build a gun? Is it like building Dep- a computer? Well, it depends. it depends on where you go for your parts. So the higher, so to give you an idea, and Mike will get really irritated, you can get builds that are about 500 bucks. But not to kill a hog. Oh yeah, it will still do the trick. It's just not, as, it's, gonna, it's not gonna be as shiny as a four grand build. Well, what you really should do, what uh, you should really do, if you really want some fun, is come on down on the 19th, and if you really want some laughs, we have a comedy show going on. on the I March. told him he better book me on one of these comedy shows. She's a comedian. Oh, nice! I'm literally, like, I really need... the radio show this Sunday. Yeah, bring her on the radio show. Hey, <laughs> Wait, but her. I don't know anything about guns. What would I do on your radio show? We can talk more about this. We could talk about okay. the AR builds during yeah, the radio show. Absolutely. Bring me on. Yeah. Will bring... he come on yeah, for the radio? Oh, absolutely. hey, absolutely. with his permission... Well, it's Sunday, Sunday at 4 o'clock. We make a date to meet at the studio and record. So, to recap, I was waiting to hear back from lawmakers and balloonists who probably will never call. I walked into a gun store to buy a gun, and now I'm being booked for a Second Amendment talk radio show. Hopefully, they'll teach me how to save money on a gun by building it myself. 
Their show is called Come and Talk It. Come and Talk It is a play on the phrase, come and take it. We famously use that phrase on a flag taunting Mexican troops in the Texas Revolution to come and take a cannon. But now it's a catchphrase used by gun rights activists in Texas and beyond. I'm in a radio booth with Michael, the gun shop owner, Zach Istra, his co-host, Matthew, the sales guy who came in to talk about building guns today, and another guy who's a guest in a different segment. I'll link the YouTube episode in the show notes. We can see the producer in his booth through a glass panel. He's the one to thank for all the radio morning show sound effects. They've all got their visible guns, a bunch of rifles for the build-a-gun segment, and almost certainly have some concealed guns too. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. You know, inside the studio, we have my guest from her podcast, Fogo, The Fear of Going Outdoors. Michael obviously doesn't listen to my show, but he and I have a lot in common. We're both proud Texans with deep ties to Georgia. He is a gay man. I'm a bi mom. He's a veteran, and a lot of my family is military. And now we've been on each other's podcasts. However, over the course of the show, it became obvious that not only was I the first comedian they'd ever had as a guest, I was the only woman they'd ever had. And it wasn't just the dust bunnies that gave it away either. It was also the jokes that they were trying to make because I was in the room. It was as if he knows his mother, his sister, and I'm the third woman he's ever met. I need that coupon code. (laughs) Michael, I want to talk about what are some, you know, maybe better cost-effective ways. Because I'm the the child of immigrants. I don't like to pay full price for nothing. Mm. There is nothing on my body right now that was full Price. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. We have to get you to work it off a little bit, and then, you know, we'll get you a gun. Uh, But, like, seriously, when people are going to get their first gun, like, what are the options? It can't, like, retail, full-price retail, you know, like, cannot possibly be the only option. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to hear it from my mother from that one. uh, Why does she have to do the cooking and the cleaning? You know, why can't she do something else? So I'll hear that later. That's going to get you for that. I know. I know. It always comes back to hunt me. I can hear my sister right now. She doesn't need to do any cooking or cleaning. Uh, what? Shut up. <laughs> All right, but anyway. Um, yeah, you're Is right. that your impression of your my sister? sister? Yeah, absolutely. She's listening right now, too. <laughs> See, I tried to save him from his own joke, but he doubled down, and the listeners joined in, too. Ivy, um, Thomas says uh, you need to have some nail polish to contrast with the gun that you're holding. I am. Not only do I have nail polish, rude, okay? (laughs) There's Hello Kitty decals, all right? So why don't you stay in your lane? (laughs) Whoever the hang. (laughs) I'm trying so hard not to curse right now. Please don't. Uh, (laughs) It is really hard for comedians not to curse on live radio. Poor Matthew is just waiting this whole time for us to get to him, which we finally do. Matthew, bless his heart, tries to convey some information on where to buy gun parts. For those who know me, I love Gunbroker. Gunbroker is an auction ha- online auction house for everything firearm-related. Firearms, firearm parts, magazines, spare stuff. And a lot of these are auction-based at what we call Penny. And the parts kits are um, on auction from usually like Gunbusters, also on Gunbroker for... I'm sitting right next to Matthew on my phone actively searching these sites in real time with all the parts he's suggesting. These sites are like eBay for guns and gun parts, but nothing that matched his suggestions was coming up for sale. These are like Lego parts, and I realize building your own gun 
has got to be a whole hobby unto itself. I cannot stock auctions for a year hunting for deals on gun parts. I need one soon to start practicing. So I abandoned my plan to build a gun in the middle of this radio show. Instead, I start trying to convince someone to let me borrow theirs. People don't lend guns uh, to n- their friends? or I mean, you, unless you know someone, you know, you're really close to someone that's willing to do that. That's a really touchy subject because you're talking, you know, guns, you know, the bullets have certain, you know, ballistics. When that bullet comes out, it leaves a signature, you know, like a, a thumbprint. And, you know, if you make a mistake and you shoot something, that can come back on that person whose gun that belongs to. So that's why people are hesitant and let someone just bar their firearm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it does happen. Yes. So, like, Zach, you were saying, like, if you trusted someone, like, what would make you trust that somebody, just, like, they have good intentions or that you feel that you've gone, uh, you've gone shooting with them and that you, or do you mean, do you trust their accuracy rate? Or, like, what is it that you mean by trust? Well, another thing, uh, you know, a reason why guns don't get loaned out a lot is because, you know, as Americans and just people of this country, we want you to have a gun, too. We want you to have your own gun. So someone says, hey, would, uh, would the guest loan out her jewelry to someone she barely knows? Your jewelry. Would you learn that? Out? I mean, I'm just insulted that y'all think that these guys barely know me. I feel like these guys, like, <laughs> no, I'm like, uh, I'm, y'all know me. Okay. The person that I am, uh, you know, like on the show or like when I was in your gun store or whatever, is just the person I am all the time. Austin is a really small town. Everybody knows everybody. So we're going to. You want to go hunt? Are you going to get down, you know, get out of the helicopter or the hot air balloon or whatever, get out on the ground and actually, you know, slit them, stab them? Are we going, what are we going to do? I mean, if I can't get gonna, a gun, I don't really see what other choice I have gonna, but we, to stab it. Are we going to scrape the skin, you know, you know, peel the hair off and, and, and get it ready to cook? You know, we're going to get all that. Oh, my God, Michael, you've never hunted, have you? No, I have not. Oh, my God. No, I not. <laughs> see, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> See, can't you tell? Way to tell on yourself on your yeah, own yeah, yeah, yeah. radio Don't show. know. Don't know anything about hunting. Don't Am I in do the it. wrong room to figure out how to get a gun? Don't do it. Don't do it at all. No, I can teach you how to kill someone. Absolutely. I can teach you how to do that really well. Okay, like we said. These guys don't hunt. We have a saying here, that dog don't hunt. And it means that something is useless Y'all, these guys didn't even know a hunter to refer me to. I thought gun people and hunters were aligned because, frankly, the gun lobby takes great pains to make me think that. I have been taking hunter education courses online, and I started with the NRA course because it's free. But the first 11 teen chapters are only about guns and gun parts, and you can't fast forward to anything specific to hunting. But gun guys and hunter guys are not the same guys. Gun guys just trot out the mythical hunter man whenever they need to because hunters do enjoy a better reputation than mass shooters. These guys don't know what guns will be best for 30 to 50 feral hogs in the yard. They're just gun collectors and they collect guns designed for killing people because that's just most guns. I didn't get a gun today and they never even booked me for their comedy show. I can't believe It's been so hard to find some fucking hunters in Texas. I'm frustrated not to have a gun in my hand. But we got a call back from a hot air balloonist. His name is Josh Sneed, and he's the owner of Austin Aeronauts Hot Air Balloons. I know of two people who have done it. We've not ever taken anybody... um 
hog hunting from a hot air balloon yet. If y'all want to try, we just have to see how it fits on our schedule. We might be able to, if we have some land to go do it on, it'd be worth giving it a shot. I could be the first person documented in Texas to successfully go hot air balloon wild hog hunting. And it would be hilarious. Me, a ragingly bisexual Asian-American indoors woman, breaking down barriers. And then maybe I'd get famous and I'd finally get to go do things that are not outside. <sighs> not everyone shares my enthusiasm, though. Worst case, you don't get any of the animals and you're going to blow up a balloon. <laughs> and I don't think we're, I think, like, okay, literally no one's blown up a balloon. Uh, admittedly, it does sound ill-advised, but also every outdoor outing sounds ill-advised, so. But, like, no one's doing, there's, there's nowhere we can do it. It's just two random balloonists who've done it on their own land. So, so you admit, if we get land, we could just do it. Your girl bossing literally too close to the sun. So, so you agree we're girl bossing? Our insurance is never gonna cover this. If I want to go hunting in a hot air balloon, I just need to find someone with land, and Josh Need could take us. Like a lot of land, though, not like a condo downtown. But there's lots of land in Texas kind of one of our defining characteristics. So there must be a lot of landowners. And really, I just need one of them with a hog problem to say yes. So I am empty-handed. But look, I found out about the mysterious origin of the hot air balloon hog hunting law. I ate some killer barbecue with Mariah. I took some photos with these gun guys that will keep me from ever running for office. And I found a balloonist who theoretically, is down to fly us. When I do this, if I set out and make the short film version of Fogo from the air, I am basically going to be the Jacques Cousteau of the sky. My dream to be a nature show host will basically be achieved. I am so obsessed with nature shows. I don't know if y'all understand. Even as an adult now, for my entire life, like I started doing weed in the pando, and whenever I get high, all I want to do is watch nature shows. Nature shows show us the supercut of everything interesting and beautiful and marvelous about the world, which now that I've been outside once, most of it is not that. Nature shows are the highlight reel of the outdoors. They're the TikTok of Earth. And I am going to get to do that hunting. I'm going to get you the supercut of everything amazing about hunting feral hogs. No one has ever been up in a hot air balloon over Central Texas and shot a pig. Do you understand? I am one landowner phone call away from having a reel to sell Fogo, the television experience, to the Nature Channel. It doesn't exist anymore. Okay, I am one landowner phone call away from selling Fogo TV to the Discovery Channel. They just merged with HBO and Warner Brothers. Oh, it merged? So they're just going to go away or? Oh, okay. Uh, I am one phone call away from selling my nature show to Nat Geo. Disney owns them now, and I'm pretty sure you curse too much for them. Oh, they don't do cursing on Nat Geo? They, 
They showed boobs in the magazine. Are you serious? I'm gonna find a platform. Okay, I just need to find the landowner first. I don't love nature. I'm very afraid of it, kind of the premise of this show. I hate being outside, but I will tolerate it for something else. Something else like good food to eat or an aerial view for the gram or a really ironic comedy bit. And now I have the chance to go for all three and I'm going to chase it and take you with me. This season on Fogo, Fear of Going Outside. Oh, look at that, it's scat. And I was like, yeah, it's, uh, it's probably mountain lion because it's got fur in it. The Eastern Phoebe, and it pumps its tail. I still don't see it. Let me see here. Is it literally the same color as the tree? Is that why? What's the Duolingo for poop? We call them Tactabros. I've never pissed outdoors in $120 shoes. The history of conservation is, is just like very like white men doing stuff and it's like frustrating, you know? This finger never goes on the trigger, ever, ever. Okay. Until you're ready to shoot. It's playing like chicken with us. See who's gonna move first. Fogo, Fear of Going Outside is a Spotify SoundUp series and was workshopped as part of the Spotify SoundUp Podcast Accelerator program. Fogo is written, produced, and hosted by me, Ivy Lee. We are produced and edited by Mariah Gossett. Engineering, mixing, and additional sound design by Robin Edgar. Our theme song and original music are composed by Michelangelo Rodriguez. Story editing by Minda Wei. Production support by Benjamin Groza's Eastrup. Fogo's board of advisors is Jeff Zhao and Martin Thomas. From Spotify, our executive producers are Miguel Contreras, Grace Delia, Jane Zumwalt, and Natalie Tullock. Spotify production support by Shirley Ramos and special thanks to the rest of the Spotify team. Listen to Fogo, Fear of Going Outside for free on Spotify. You can follow me on just about every social media platform at Ivy Lee with one E, the phrase all spelled out. And see behind the scenes pictures on Instagram at Fogo Podcast. Go to FogoPodcast.com for the newsletter and transcripts because accessibility is anything but mid. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. You buy it. Buy it good.